0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of CSA Security Update. I'm your host, John D. Maria. CSA is the world's leading organization dedicated to defining and raising awareness of best practices to help ensure a secure cloud computing environment. We harness the subject matter expertise of industry practitioners, associations, governments, and members to offer the best in research, education, certification, events, and products. Okay, so here today with Kurt Ziefried, uh, Chief Blockchain Officer and Director of Special Projects and Director of IT for Cloud Security Alliance. So how are you doing today, Kurt? Excellent. Hey, everybody. Yeah, so you're in uh, Alberta, Canada? Yep. Oh, nice. So how's the weather out there? It's actually, I'm going to say spring. I don't
1: think there'll be any more snow.
0: Right. Okay, awesome. So today, you know, I was really intrigued uh, since uh, this whole series is uh, around uh, CSA Star and Star certification and the evolution of integrated systems um, and and how to make sure that we're continuously monitoring uh, security. I was intrigued with your article on uh, CVE that I saw on LinkedIn uh it was titled cve as positive measure of security and i found that um a little intriguing in terms of um uh vulnerabilities uh and 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 how that's being perceived in terms of metrics uh and so on from a security perspective uh can you tell us a little bit about that and the concept of cve while it while it seems to have you know these negative connotations, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be really—you uh, perceive it as as a good thing. So maybe you can just kind of give us a background on that.
1: Yeah. So the the basic premise of CV, the Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures database, is to have a common naming system for security vulnerabilities in computer software. Um, and this project was originally uh, funded by the Department of, uh, well, the uh, the U.S. government now the DHS. Funds it, and it's run by the MITRE Corporation. Uh, MITRE runs actually; they have a mandate for a number of cybersecurity programs, and CVE is one of them. And like I said, the idea is you have this common naming scheme, uh, and additionally, you have a database holding the data. Uh, the advantage being, you know, if you look at well, back to the battle days, you know, something like Sandmail or you know earlier versions of Internet Explorer, and they had lots of security problems quite commonly the same kind you know a buffer overflow or a buffer underflow affecting related versions or sometimes the same versions you know with different code paths and stuff and the the question is how do we talk about them and how do we identify them and how you know this flaw in apache did did you patch it or not did your vendor patch it or not did you uh, maybe you're aware of the flaw and you didn't patch it, but you took some other compensating control. How would you know to do that? You know, you need information on this vulnerability. So it basically allows us to clearly identify which vulnerability we're talking about and also have some information about it. And this, you know, we're, we're in a world now with, conservatively, I would say, you know, one to 10 million security flaws a year that matter, of which we're only actually really measuring 10 to 20,000 a year in CVE. And that's sort of the second part is CVE is is a really good indicator of maturity. You know, the reality is there's a lot of software vendors out there now. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say probably about a million globally. You know, if you count everybody churning out software, be it large companies all the way down to, you know, there's individual developers um, that have made hugely popular apps. I mean, look at Notch and Minecraft, right? That guy built a game in Java on his own time that ended up on, well, probably tens of millions of desktops at this point, you know, and mobile devices. And so the questions become, you know, do these vendors have a security program? Can you actually report a security vulnerability to them? Can they process that security vulnerability and actually get a fix out the door? And so CVE is a really good indicator that yes, yes, they can. You know, because they actually have this public-facing information saying, "Here's our security flaws. Here's how we dealt with them." Um, you know, I used to work at a vendor, and some security flaws would be dealt with quite literally. This security flaw actually isn't all that impactful. It's very difficult to exploit. It's very unlikely to be exploited, so we're not going to fix it. You know, I remember one where there was a flaw in the parsing of a configuration file that could result in um, code execution, but. You know, if you could modify that configuration file, you were the administrator of that system anyways. Uh, So while it did technically cross a security boundary and allow for an escalation of privilege, you know, it was such that it was very difficult to exploit. And so we didn't really need to uh, fix it. And additionally, there were very simple compensating controls, you know, around file permissions and making sure the file wasn't mangled that people could take to ensure that they weren't exploited. And this is especially important when you consider, you know, the average organization doesn't just have one vendor, right? They have desktop software from, you know, Microsoft or Apple or from a Linux vendor or whatever. They have an office suite probably from somewhere. They have accounting software. They have a web browser. Well, they have multiple web browsers. Let's not lie, right? Everybody pretty much has either Chrome or Firefox plus whatever's built into their system plus, you know, whatever third option that, you know, those people like to use. And um for an IT organization, how do you track all this? You know, how do you keep on top of all this? And CVE really helps there.
0: Yeah, so uh so I want to concentrate on a couple of things because you did said a couple of keywords there and and also um as I was reading through it, there's a couple of things. So having a, a vulnerability and how they dealt with that vulnerability seems to be sort of a form of information sharing, which a lot of people are little concerned about these days in terms of, um, you know, publicly reporting their vulnerabilities <laughs> and then how they, how they dealt with it. That's, that's a, and then there's also the, the other part of that, uh, which I, which I found really intriguing was about, um, you know, ensuring that, uh, you know, vendors that are, that are not part of this, uh, you know, would 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 sort of be uh perceived as you know uncooperative and possibly you know on the lower list in terms of their transparency mm-hmm. and trust which of course is what csa star is all about yeah so i'm just curious uh i know it's a two-part question but I'm was curious about number one the the uh you know Information sharing and how that's looked at and also in terms of security of all of that. And then, you know, uh, the perception of vendors who choose not to do that.
1: Well, so for number one, there are definitely vendors who don't want to share security information, even in this day and age. And, you know, obviously it was a lot worse 20 years ago where essentially the way the security industry worked is you found a vulnerability and then the big company got angry at you and threatened to sue you if you mentioned it at all. Uh, And we've come a long ways maturity-wise. You know, Microsoft is probably the best example of this. They went from being pretty much openly hostile towards security people 20 years ago to now being one of the leading, you know, software vendors for security, not just in technical measures, but process and um, collecting telemetry to discover security flaws like zero days being exploited in the wild. So... You don't necessarily have to have CV to do all those things, but as I said in the article, CV is a is a good indicator that the vendor is doing this and does care about security. And the other reality is the bad guys don't need this to find security flaws or to find that you fix security flaws. Um, I worked for a couple of security firms back in the day where they had people whose job it was on Microsoft Tuesday to binary diff the old and the new software and to find the security flaws that Microsoft had fixed, uh, both the ones that they publicly announced with CVs and the ones that they didn't announce, and to make exploit code for those. And typically the the one guy could do at least one of those um, in about 24 hours, usually aiming at uh, Internet Explorer Microsoft Office or, you know, the Windows system um, kind of being the, the three big uh, targets that corporations care about. So... <laughs> Yeah. Information sharing technically makes it maybe easier for attackers, but realistically attackers are using zero days already. So clearly they don't actually, you know, they're not too concerned about known security flaws in a lot of cases. Um, And the other brutal truth is there's a lot of companies that just don't patch for months or years, right? It doesn't matter how much or how little information is shared when you have somebody being vulnerable for months or years, that that's quite a window of opportunity for the bad guys. Yeah, And the not sharing information does make it that much harder for people working at those companies to make the case for upgrades. You know, if it's you go to your boss and you're like, hey, we need to upgrade because security. Well, sure, whatever. You go to your boss and say, hey, we need to upgrade because security. Here's, you know, the 10 outstanding issues we're vulnerable to. And now that we officially know about them, if we get, you know, hacked through one of these, legally, that's not so great, you know, because we knew about a problem and we chose not to fix it. That, that can end poorly for companies. As far as the second part of the question, again, you know, all these things can happen without CVE, but how do you know they're happening, right? So there's a lot of vendors out there that don't do CVE, but they do have, uh, good mechanisms for notifying their customers of security problems, uh, and often contractually they have to, or are covered by regulations that require them to notify their customers of security problems. But again, it's really hard to figure that out and to know that. um, Essentially, CVE is a really good signal that this place knows enough and cares enough about security, number one, to be involved in CVE, and number two, to be mature enough to be involved in CVE.
0: Yeah. So that's interesting. So it might, might actually have uh, a connection to the type of uh, technology that that we put together uh, through our partnership with TrueStar Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, which is a secure information sharing platform. And uh, you know, that's, that's another route to where organizations can share specific information. But the unique thing about it is it's, it's a very secure platform, where they can put the information out there without worrying about that information getting to the wrong people, and I think it has an even uh, greater uh, <clears throat> uh, greater visibility in terms of increasing transparency uh, and trust in the cloud, which is what we have through CSA Star. Uh, because um, I like the uh, you know the information uh, where you talk about. Uh, you know, allowing vendors to make more informed choices, uh, and people to to avoid software and vendors that result in significant problems due to unfixed or unaddressed security vulnerabilities. And yeah. I think that's that's extremely important. That's where we're going at um, when we're talking about things like continuous auditing uh, through through uh, Star Continuous. Uh, where those types of things, you know, are being asked in terms of how they address uh, vulnerabilities and and uh, how they do penetration testing and yep. things like that. Well, and what's interesting is, I mean, security
1: is definitely a driver for a lot of this. But if you look at, for example, HTTPS, you know, encrypting the web, that was going really slowly until one company did something that was vastly more important than security. And that was Google. Google changed search engine optimization rankings based on whether or not you have HTTPS. And so we pretty much saw overnight pretty much all the major websites go to HTTPS because, you know, they want to maintain their search engine optimization rankings. And so that's part of it too is, is security doesn't necessarily have to be the driver for good behavior. Always. Um, there's a lot of other situations where, Uh, well, a simple example is can this vendor actually fix a bug and get a bug fix out in a timely manner? Because, you know, I've seen software bugs that are actually much worse than security flaws in the sense of here's a bug that, um, causes data corruption, or here's a firmware update that, you know, 10% of the time it bricks the system, right? You know, if we had an attack that allowed a bad guy to brick 10% of your systems, you'd, you'd be panicking and rightly so. Um, and you know, the same is generally true. If you have a firmware update that has a, a, more than a zero point, a whole bunch of zeros followed by a 1% of, you know, chance of breaking your system. That is extremely worrying. I mean, that's one thing that drives me, uh, to worry a lot about the IOT is if we have a billion light bulbs with a firmware update, how many of those light bulbs are going to make it, you know, well, probably some percentage of them won't they'll, they'll be dead. Uh, and hopefully they're easy to replace and not up in a high ceiling. Uh, to say nothing of medical devices or you know manufacturing plants, you know so again, it just comes back to what are the signals that we have that you know these vendors are good at security um, for example, i've actually run into major vendors that still don't have HTtPS and it's like in this day and age, how can you not have you know uh, an encrypted website It's so easy to set up right. uh, clearly they don't they must not care or worse they're they're just not technically competent to do it, you know which that's, that's a pretty strong signal that maybe you want to avoid them. And so like, I, I keep coming back to the fact that looking at a company externally, you know, one thing I always look for, do they have a security webpage? Do they have a security contact email address? Do they have a bug bounty? Do they have, when they publish updates, do they say, you know, this is a security update or this is just a regular update. You don't need to worry about it. And CVE is sort of one of the, the better signals. Because CVE in, involves external process. Like you, you basically have to be this tall to get on the CV ride. You know, you have to be able to ingest security reports, deal with them and produce updates or at least acknowledge the problem and, you know, inform your customers about it. Um, and STARS is a great example of this too. You know, when I'm looking at cloud vendors, um, especially for use by the CSA, not having a STARS entry is a huge red flag because if you're unable or not willing to give basic information about your security posture and what your security capabilities are. Yeah. I mean, how, how it's going to be very hard to trust you. And so some of these vendors do have stars entries that are private, but again, you know, I don't know that until I contact them and, and, you know, try to dig it out of them. And again, you know, if, if a company doesn't want any of its security posture to be public, when all these other, you know, there's literally hundreds of companies and all the major cloud providers are on stars It really does make me wonder about their competency and their, their sort of how they view security. You know, most, most of the major vendors I've dealt with, they're very proud of their stars entry. You know, some of them have 60 or 70 page PDFs with graphs and tons of additional supporting documentation, you know, and and that's what I want to see. It's like, oh, you actually care about security. You spend money on it. You're, you know, you're doing useful things. And here's a concise list of kind of everything I need to care about and what you did about it.
0: Yeah, and and to make that again, making that contrast uh, to CVE, what you're talking about is you know, uh, what's you know what's acceptable, what's not. I mean, that's where we're going with the uh, <clears throat> as the evolution into continuous auditing and continuous certification. It's about setting up those metrics of what you know what is best practice. What do you accept? What it, what is it that we're looking for uh, in a reporting? Process. There's some things, as you say, are obvious. And then there's some things that, you know, uh, that you expect to see variation in. Uh, But the whole idea is to be setting up those metrics of standards that you would expect to see. And then how do those vendors uh, match up to that? And then, again, that's reported through uh, the STAR registry. And it really increases that transparency so everyone can see. And yeah, you're right. If you're not on there, um, it's not that a vendor is necessarily a bad vendor, but you don't know what they have. You don't know what they're doing. And I think that speaks volumes uh, for those who do take that step of putting it out there on the registry for us as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's one of the important things too, is that when we, when I want to compare vendors or compare different products, I need to be comparing the same things, right? And that's where stars and to a somewhat lesser degree, CV really help is that they, stars measures the same set of things for all vendors. So I can directly compare them, you know, CVE, to a somewhat lesser degree, sort of measures the same thing. But the reality is with the CVE counting and merging rules, a single CVE could be a single flaw or it could be a 100 flaws. And also the severity of those flaws can vary greatly. You know, you could have a single flaw that's extremely critical and compared to a CVE that has like a 100 flaws that are extremely minor. You know, which of these is more important? Which of these matters more? And that's sort of one of the challenges of CV and where it, it does actually fall down pretty badly is that comparing CVEs means you basically have to research each CVE and add additional data, which, for, for example, is actually something that the uh, the National Institute of Standards and Technology does. They ingest the CV database and they add CVSS, the Common Vulnerability Scoring System data to it uh, where possible, where they can, and also to the sort of the products that the U.S. government generally cares about. Uh, which makes it a little bit easier to compare CVEs. But to still compare, you know, CVE-A to CVE-B, you need to really dig deep and understand them. Um, Whereas like a STARS entry, you can just directly compare the two of them and see, you know, okay, both these vendors answer this question. One answered it yes, one answered it no. Do I care about that? You know?
0: Yeah, and and one may have given more evidence and detailed information versus one that doesn't as well. So that may or may not tell you something about or may raise some questions that you may want to follow up on that
1: was one of my favorite things was seeing the difference in stars entries you know where you'd have some star entries where it's like yes yes no no yes no yes no and it's like okay well that's better than nothing vastly better than nothing but then there were some stars entries where you know in the notes field they just had so much useful data that helped you know give a context for that yes or that no and helped me make a better decision you know um so, you know, a great example of this: there's a lot of cloud vendors, obviously, that don't run their own cloud; they sit on top of somebody else's cloud, right? Uh, and so, in that case, you know, it's for example with around physical security. Well, just we don't because we run on top of Amazon. Oh, okay, now I can go check Amazon's entry and see what Amazon says about security. And that's one of the other um, big benefits of Stars and Stars entries is not only does it give me the signals about that specific vendor and kind of how much they care about security and what they do about security, but their vendors and their dependencies, you know, who they rely upon to provide their service.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point. It gives you, uh, it gives you that audit trail. As you say, if I use AWS and then you can go to AWS's entry, uh, and if, and if they're using a platform that isn't there, uh, you can then request that from that Mm -hmm. vendor, uh, to try to, to try to close uh uh, close that trail and and the differentiator is as you say you know for those who are providing more information as the registry grows and more and more people on it you know companies will be looking for well what's the next differentiator because all my competitors are on here well Mm -hmm. the question is did they just go through the motions or did they really provide some really good, solid, detailed information?
1: Well, and is it up to date? You know, I've seen some companies that do a stars entry kind of as a fire and forget exercise again, better than nothing. And I've seen other companies that quite religiously keep their stars entry up to date. So clearly they have a process wrapped around security where they, they care about security on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to make sure that they're doing the right things on an ongoing basis and you know as you mentioned you know stars continuous monitoring is coming and that will be you know aspects will be measured you know in terms of every x minutes and is it still in compliance uh and you know that's where it's heading because obviously well not obviously but hopefully most cloud providers are continuously improving their security posture you know you look at a vendor like amazon and one thing that blew me away i think it was last year or the year before but they now make their own Silicon. Uh, they make a, uh, it's a coprocessor. It's like a watchdog chip that handles a bunch of security features and security capabilities. So they're making their own compute systems with, you know, Intel CPUs, I believe. And so the Intel CPU now is just handling workload and all the overhead of running the virtualization and running the security and just doing all the AWS type stuff is handled by this specific Amazon processor, you know, very securely. And it Also nice, uh, again, you know, one of the drivers not being security is it allows Amazon to devote more of their Intel CPU to handling customer workload versus handling overhead. And so, you know, very clearly, if you have a vendor who's making their own custom security chips, they obviously care about security. And, but it's hard to, you know, it's hard to um, compare those directly to other vendor features. You know, for all we know, Microsoft has armed dogs at all their facilities, you know, that shoot bees out of their mouth or something. Um, but again, back to stars, and especially with the continuous stars, you'll know literally up to the minute whether or not that vendor meets a security profile, um, and and you may have some security profile that you require. You know, some people require PCI compliance, you know, some people don't.
0: Right, and I think, and, and so, you know, kind of bring this all together, um, you know, those are Those are great points that I'm sure people are going to be wondering about. So in this, in the, in this, this quarter, this year, uh, we're launching a, uh, series called reaching for the star, and it's going to be four different modules. Um, one is the module. One's going to be, uh, talking about the history of CSA star, uh, you know, the platform itself, um, how it came to be and how it's put together. And then we'll move into uh, talking about, you know, what level of CSA star is is best for you. We're going to talk about continuous auditing and continuous monitoring and uh, how you use those different levels uh, within your organization, depending on uh, what risk that you fall under as organization uh, then we're moving into the most uh which which i think is the most one of the more intriguing areas is uh mutual recognition framework program where we're really building a reciprocatory process uh for organizations uh sort of a implement once comply many approach to security uh where you just have to you know the mappings are put together there all the standards owners are in unison in terms of agreements. And then, you know, you have one certification that meets multiple requirements, uh, which really reduces complexity and risk, but decreases your cost and resources, which is pretty amazing. And then finally, of course, the all-important privacy and the GDPR code of conduct that CSA produced and how that fits into the Star Program as well. So it's all these integrated systems that really make a difference because instead of creating more complexity and more cost, and and you know we're we're out to make sure that we can reduce cost and complexity, and and also decreasing risk at the same time. Um, And which I think is, you know, long overdue. And so this whole series is going to be really intriguing and touch on a lot of the things in more detail that we talked about today.
1: Yeah. And I mean, one of the biggest things I'm seeing is just the improvement of capabilities. You know, I remember when an antivirus vendor that shipped an AV update once a week or once a month was pretty good. You know, now that's expected to be kind of a few minutes. And the same thing I see happening with, you know, at this high level, looking at these vendors, great. I mean, I, I love seeing these um, at least yearly reports about how they're doing security, but, you know, a lot can change in a year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so we're running uh, running out of time here, but I wanted to thank you for coming on and uh, certainly uh, look forward to having you again at some point but uh really appreciate your input, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye.